0: Has there ever been anyone in your life that you just didn't like or tried to avoid them? Kayla is saying amen and nodding her head. So she was amening before I actually finished my sentence. So there's people in her life that she can think of. Now for me in my life, I don't know about you guys, but I've grown up playing sports. So when you play sports, you grow up in the gym. So... uh, Some people, going to the gym is a struggle. For me, going to the gym is not a struggle. Like, I love going to the Y and working out. I love going, playing basketball, you know, lifting weights, whatever. That's stuff I enjoy. To me, that's not hard work because I've always done it. But as somebody who has been in a gym for a very, very long time, I have certain things. There's, like, certain gym etiquette. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's there's certain etiquette. We all have jobs. We all have things. But there's gym etiquette. And there's one particular guy. I am not going to tell you his name, but I remember when I was younger, not a very tall guy, um, but he used to brag all the time about lifting with Mr. Missouri. Now, normal people, when they lift at the gym, they'll do three reps of eight or three reps of ten. This guy did three reps of 25. I mean, just a ridiculous amount of reps. And so what he would do is it's one thing if you have a buddy that you're working out with, but this guy didn't have a buddy to work out with, so he needed a spotter. Because when you do 25,000 reps, like you're eventually not going to be able to get all of them. And so he would go and he would scan the gym every single time for somebody to spot him. And normally that's not a big deal, but he's lifting for two hours, getting spotter after spotter after spotter after That gets old. And so not only this guy, what he does is, so if you're doing 25 reps, He's doing several reps of curls, and so he asked you to spot him. So next thing you know, on rep 12, he's struggling. So next thing, you're doing curls with him because you're trying to help this guys get his weights up. And not only this, and I am not exaggerating the noise that he would make. He would go, eee, like that, he did that every, like you're thinking like, oh, no, no, that's, that's a joke. No, I didn't exaggerate that at all. That's what he would do. And then he would spit over all over you yeah 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 this is not Paul and, and but yeah he and then he would spit all over you and so after a while you're just like the guy would try to make eye contact and you just be like this like you're just blind Bartimaeus walking around like this and, and, and like you can't see anything and so eventually at all costs what I would do is I would avoid him and so these are people that you try to avoid and also to um, some of you guys got families. We all have families for the most part. You ever, Thanksgiving, Christmas, certain family members you're trying to avoid. Certain people that you don't really want to be around. Tom's laughing and Tom's amening as well. So we got a lot of amens. I haven't even started preaching yet. And, uh, but there's certain people that we try to avoid when it comes to our, our lives or our family on Christmas and Thanksgiving. And so that leads us into our story in John chapter 4, verse 1 through 30. And in this story tonight, we're going to see a a woman who culturally was to be avoided. So if you guys are there, say you're there, and then I will get started reading. Paul's there, first one, gets to give him a sticker. Abby usually hands out the stickers. So John chapter 1, or John 4, verse 1 says this, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard That Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus did not baptize, but only his disciples. So I'm going to stop right there. In my accidental sermon several months ago, I accidentally caught on John chapter 1 instead of 1 John. But in that story, we talked about John the Baptist. And in the scripture, we see that John the Baptist, before this in John chapter 1, is starting to get some notoriety. and so people are starting to notice him so the Pharisees and the Sadducees sent people out to them to find out who John the Baptist was and this is the scripture here John 1 19 through 21 and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you he confessed and did not deny but confessed I am not the Christ and they asked him what then are you Elijah he said I am not are you the prophet and he answered no Okay, so what's happening is here the same thing in John chapter 1 that happened to John is happening to Jesus. Jesus is getting a following. People are starting to notice who he was. So these sent them out. And so these Pharisees went out and said, started asking, making disciples, more disciples than John. And verse 2, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but all his disciples. And so they're wanting to know who Jesus is. And verse 3 says this. He left Judea and p- departed again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So I want to stop right there. If you can pull up this slide for me of this picture that I have. And it's a little trail path. I don't know if you... There it is right there. Can you guys see that? No, you can't see That's okay. Well, I couldn't see Terry Carter's slides on Sunday either. I the row. You know. I couldn't see a little bit print. But the lines are what's important. So what I want you to understand... So Jesus is in Judea, right here, and he's going all the way over here to Galilee. He's, that's the path. And so what it says in the scripture, it says that he had to pass through Samaria. Which is interesting, because that's not true. He did not have to pass, if you pull it back up, he did not have to pass through Samaria. And actually, I'm going to do this. He A lot of times, Jews, what they would do, they did not even want to go through Samaria. The blue is the actual route that Jewish people would take. So they would literally avoid the Samaritans so much that they're willing, instead of going to a straight line, they would go around this way, or they would go around this way. Which is interesting. But the scripture says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jews didn't go through Samaria. And so in this story, what you begin to learn is there's a little bit more. You've got to understand the Jewish culture, the Jewish people. Who were the Samaritans? So the Samaritans were the people during this time, way back when Babylon took took over. They took over everybody, and so the Samaritans were the poor people. The Samaritans were not the wealthy people. So the Babylonians, even when they captured uh, Judah. What they did is they said, we don't want these poor people. We're going to leave them behind. So these are like the outcasts. So Samaritans were like the outcast of the society, the outcast of the culture. And so they were just left like, what do we do? So what did they do? They began to marry uh foreign women so no longer were they marrying jewish women or jewish people they were marrying who and whoever so to the jews these people were looked at like half breeds they were looked at people that that not only that because what happens is when they begin to marry other people they brought their other gods so their religion would have a mixture of the jewish faith but it would also have a mixture of the pagan faith so these people were so despised. Imagine that. That you're willing to walk that far around to get to your destination instead of going straight through. But in the scripture it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Verse 5 tells us this. He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Everybody say Sichar, Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son. And Joseph and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus... Weird as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It's about the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. <laughs> you guys ever say that? You're just thirsty? So a woman walks by, give me a drink. That's what Jesus said. He said, give me a drink. I want a drink. And I don't know about you guys. I'm going big time tonight. I'm teaching from a little tablet laptop tonight. So you should be impressed. But what I want you guys to understand, in verse six, at the sixth hour, does anybody know what time that is? I didn't either. Don't don't be, feel upset. Two o'clock. That's wrong. It's around noon. <laughs> Good guess, though. It is noon. Yeah. So it's around noon. I had to look it up, too, so I'm not that smart. Like I said, I just study this stuff, and I regurgitate it, so don't, don't feel bad. And so the sixth hour is around noon. So imagine when you're going to get water, it can be a little toasty and hot. Like it's hot during this time of day. And one of the things that we begin to notice here in this is usually women go to get water in groups this particular woman did not go in a group she was by herself so that tells you a little bit about what's going on and not only that and here's something that's interesting too just kind of build some context jesus said to her give me a drink now this is interesting and i found this it says this the strict rabbis forbade a rabbi to greet a woman in public so jesus has already broken the rule A rabbi might not even speak to his own wife or daughter. That would be like Paul coming into church, not talking to Deidre or Abby at all. Not even speak to her. And so this was like some of the thought process at the time. And it says, there were even Pharisees who were called to be bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they shut their eyes when they saw a woman on the street and so walked into walls and houses. Like imagine that. You guys ever seen the movie Elf? Have you seen the part where the lady's in the shower and she starts singing along with her? And then he's singing and like to him, he's just singing. And then she's like, hey, what are you doing in here? And he closes his eyes and runs into the lockers. That's what I imagine in this story. Just these pharmaceutical leaders literally seeing a woman just not being able to know. And next thing you know, there's a woman and they're hitting walls and houses. Like that's, that's crazy thought process, but that's how they work. And, and that's not something we, we practice today in our, in our church, but that's what they did. And so it's an interesting thought process when it comes to what's going on. So you understand Jesus is not only traveling through where? Samaria. He's breaking the mold by talking to a a Samaritan woman. Verse 8 tells us this. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy a food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you as a Jew, so she knows this, how is it that you as a Jew ask me for a drink from me? A woman of Samaria for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans so she knows what is going on she knows that Jesus is a rabbi and she knows this is not a normal occurrence for her she understands this better than anyone and she has been a woman who's been rejected much which we will also discuss a little later and I love the verse 10 it says this Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you She had no clue who she was talking to. She had no idea who she was talking to. Funny story, my sister called me a few weeks back and she goes, Blake, I just feel like an idiot. I was like, that's good, you should. You know, that's a big brother. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm all about uplifting. She had actually a picture on Instagram the other day, and I said, "You look like an idiot." But anyways, uh, but it was on somebody else's Instagram. But that's what I do. I'm the brother. That's what. That's how it goes. Eight and a half years older. And uh, but anyways, so she called me and she told me this story. She goes, "It was the day that she sang on stage at Free Chapel for the the main campus." So she was excited. Great, great, great time. And so she was after second service. She just went up there and sang. And then uh, came back there, and Jensen Franklin had a guy with him. And he came up to her and said, hey, how you doing? Hey, great worship set. You did a great job. And she goes, oh, thank you so much. And she goes, well, what's your name? And she go, and he goes, my name's Matt. And she goes, oh, Matt, well, great to meet you. And then she just walked away. And so she's sitting there thinking about and her friend goes up to her, and they're like, do you know who that was? She's like, Matt. She's like, no, Matt Redman, the guy that sings 10,000 Reasons. Like, she had no clue this guy was. And the, 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 the fun, that's the funny story is because she didn't know who she was in the presence of. of. Not that the only song, actually, me and Paul talked about this the other day. The only song that I knew he actually sang was 10,000 Reasons. I'm sure there's other ones, but he's a pretty big deal. He probably makes a lot of royalties off that song as well. And she had no clue she was in the presence. And so we were just laughing and we were chuckling about it. Um, and so I, it's a kind of a funny story. Another time, too, there's an older story that talks about a father and a son. He was supposed to turn 16 years old. He was supposed to get um, a new car. So him and his dad, they go out and they shop for this car left and right. And they finally pick this car out. And so here comes the son's birthday. The son's birthday is coming up soon. So what the son's expecting is that he's going to go downstairs and he's going to see this new car. Well, instead of a car, his father gives him a Bible. And so he has this Bible, and this son's furious. And so basically, and actually the son's older. I think he's supposed to be in his 20s. And so because of this, he was so hurt and so crushed that him and his father had picked out the perfect car, and his dad gave him a Bible. And he never talked to his dad again. And so as the dad passed away, he was tearfully upset because he had this broken relationship. He was upset because he... Something so silly hindered him and his father's relationship. And one day he opened up his Bible. And when he opened up that Bible, out fell a check for the exact amount for that car that him and his dad had picked out. And in that same situation, you had an individual who had everything that he needed, but he didn't know what was before him. And this is how this woman is in this story. So how many people have missed the gift of Jesus because they were so focused on less important things? Think about that. And then if we're going on, it says, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Moving on from verse 10. So in Bible times, sometimes spring water was considered to be living water because it bubbled up from the ground. And then we also have in Jeremiah 2.13, God is referred to as the living, living water. So Jeremiah 2.13 tells us this. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns, and that can hold no water at all. So we see in the scripture, for God refers to Himself as the fountain of living water. Going on from there, it says, verse eleven: The woman said to him, "Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Duh. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than the father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from it Himself." And as did his sons and the livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water I will give him will become to in him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me the water so that I may not be thirsty and have come here to draw water. She had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> like He's talking about living water, and she's like, I don't want to be thirsty anymore. I don't want to have to come to this well anymore. It's too hot. It's midday. I'm by myself. She's like, no, I'm, I don't. I don't I, tell me where this water is at. Like she has no clue what he is talking about. Going on verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Everybody say that. Go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband and come here, guys. Don't say that. Then the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I always think that I, I, and not always, I think this is interesting as as I was reading that. Notice this, that Jesus wanted to expose her sin first. Like Jesus hasn't talked to her. He hasn't done anything miraculous for it except hey give me a, give me some water, but he's, he immediately he points out her sin like changing the subject right like like we were just talking about water next thing you know you're worried about my husband's like he he points out her sin and Matthew four seventeen says this from the time on Jesus began to pre- preach repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near so we we've talked about this Paul talked about this last week and I've talked about this the word repent means to change one's mind. So Jesus came preaching repentance, John the Baptist came preaching repentance, and Jesus begins to expose the sin in her life right now. And I always, and you know, what happens is when we, when we read this story, I think a lot of times we just immediately jump, like, oh, she's just, she's very promiscuous. She sleeps around with a bunch of people and, and whatever. Like, we immediately ru- ju- rush to judgment about what this woman's character was. Now, obviously, she was probably uh, outcast in her own culture, but when you think about this a little bit, Jewish women at the time, they got married by the age of 12. So she could have had husbands, she's had five, is what it says, that could have passed away. And so she, therefore, she has kids. So therefore, she's got to take care of her kids. And I don't know about you guys, if you've gone through five husbands, after a while, you're probably like, do I need another one? <laughs> and I, If I was husband number six, I'd be like, uh-uh, that ain't happened. They're all passing away. So there's no telling what's happened in this story to this particular woman. But a lot of times we're quick to rush to who she might be. In the very, But now, having said that, she is living with somebody who is not her husband. Going on from there, it says, verse 19, The woman said to him, Sir, I have perceived that you're a prophet. Duh. He just basically told you something that you didn't tell him. And verse, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worship on the mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, the place where people ought to worship, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on the mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Jesus is making it very clear to her in this scripture that the place which you worship is less important than you worshiping. Am I right? Say, text your neighbor and say the place where you worship is less important than you worshiping. And so she's focusing on the particular location of the worship, and Jesus is saying, no, it's more about the heart of worship. And going on from there, it says, verse 22, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Say, in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Are we that people? Are we that people that are seeking him to worship in spirit and in truth? One thing that you see in here as well is Jesus was first sent to the Jews. Matthew 10, 5 through 6 says, The 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hmm. Jesus is instructing his disciples, but guess what? Jesus just went through the town. Of Samaria, and he's speaking to this woman. So the gospel was first sent to the Jews, but you see in Acts nine fifteen, there may be an earlier scripture. This this is just one I pulled out after Jesus was rejected by the Jews. The Holy Spirit called the apostle Paul, or, the, or called and said the apostle Paul is going to be going to the Gentiles. Acts nine fifteen. But the Lord said to him, Go for he's a chosen instrument of, of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, the King, and the children of Israel. Verse 24 tells us this. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah who is coming. He is called the Christ. So Christ means the anointed one. So remember, she has no clue who she's speaking with. And then it goes on. When he comes, he will tell all things. Didn't he just tell you all things? He just told you all things. (laughs) Like, she doesn't even recognize Jesus in front of him. See, she's heard about him, she's heard people talk about him, but she doesn't have a relationship with us. With him, not us, with him. And so what happens in a lot of times is we approach that in our own Christian walk. We talk about Jesus. We 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 discuss Jesus. But when we're in the presence of Jesus, sometimes we don't even recognize him. And that's how she was. She didn't even recognize him. And going on it says verse twenty six Jesus said to her, I will speak to you, Eli, if you want to come up and play. On the keys, Jesus said to her, "I who speak to you, am He." Just then, the disciples came back. They marvelled that He was talking with a woman. So remember, early on, we said rabbis don't associate with women; they don't even look at them. Some don't. It's just a weird thing. It'd be like me up here preaching with my eyes closed the entire time. But the disciples noticed this, and they recognized. And Jesus' disciples said they came back. They said, marvelled that He was talking with a woman. But no one said, "What do you seek?" Last time I checked, you don't you don't question Jesus. <laughs> if you've seen the disciples, when they question Jesus in the scripture, typically what happens is Jesus usually puts them in their place. You think of Peter, what talk, Jesus talks about is he's going to be put to the cross, and then as he's going to be put to the cross, Peter sets up and rebukes him, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you, but that's a rebuke. Is that a rebuke? <laughs> that's a big rebuke. That's not just like, hey, let's not say that you don't know. No, get behind me, Satan. Why are you talking with her? And so, verse 28 says So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, You know, a few weeks back, I told you I was going to preach. I'm going to get these heavy, heavy cloths out of here. That way, it's not so heavy. A few weeks back, as I, as I was going to preach this sermon, and as we were preparing in the service the Lord began to kind of speak to me and I was like, ooh, got got some good points, maybe. We'll find out afterwards. And I was excited to preach the sermon, but as I came up here to preach, the spirit was so strong, I couldn't even teach. And there was no need for me to teach. And it was a powerful service. But what I want you to understand, as the woman, she had her water jar, and this is the most awkward water jar ever, as she... Was coming to get water. Her intention was to quench her physical thirst. Oh, we got an actual jar. I didn't know we had a real one. This is the worst water jar ever. That's not even worth the effort, though. But I'll carry it, though. And could you imagine? This is my like two water bottles. She be, she'd be going to the well every every 20 minutes. And uh, so, anyways, so as I as I'm. Yeah, she yeah, she could be a little person. She may be a little, anyways. I got to stop. I'm trying to make a big point. So as as I as I'm sitting here just kind of thinking notice in the scripture and I didn't pay attention to this before. She had her water jar and she was going to collect water. Her intention was to get water. But the scripture says she left her water jar. She left her water jar there. Verse twenty-eight. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, "Have we left our water jar?" She had her encounter with the Lord, and as I was—I was sitting there. I was like, "Oh God, that's so good. I want to talk about it," and I didn't get to, but I get to tonight. And so as I was thinking about this. The very thing that she went to the well to do was no longer important to her. So my question is, have you left your water jar behind when you had your Jesus encounter? Or are you still carrying your itty-bitty water jar around? See, some of you guys, you're still carrying it around, and unfortunately some people don't leave their water jar. Sometimes it costs them everything. This past week, um, there was a kid that I played basketball with in high school. You may have saw him on the news. His name's Calvin Allen. We played basketball. He was two years older than me. Recently, he was on the news. He was shot and killed in a motel. I knew the kid. Played basketball with him. I also knew the lifestyle he was living. I also knew the things that he was doing. I knew he was drug dealing. You follow him on it. I showed Paul his Instagram because I was like, check this guy out. He's dumb as a box of rocks. And he's posting weed and guns and all these different things about what he's doing, bragging about it. And then the lifestyle he's living cost him his life. Some 19-year-old kid shot him and killed him. So now you have two people's lives that are ruined. But the problem was he's still carrying around his water jar. And it cost him more than he could ever imagine and so as I was thinking about that this past week, like I didn't even really care for the guy, <laughs> to be honest with you. But my heart was broken. Because I knew what he was doing. I knew how he was living. So what's your water jar? What water jar are you still carrying around? Maybe it's the water jar of your job is your identity, is your identity maybe it's the water jar of pornography you say I've been set free but you can't get set free from the computer screen maybe your water jar is unforgiveness somebody's hurt you somebody's done something to you or maybe you've done something to somebody else your water jar you're carrying around you've had your God encounter Jesus has revealed himself to you and instead of leaving your water jar you've picked it back up maybe It's husbands not loving your wives like Christ loved the church. Or maybe it's wives you not honoring your husbands. What's your water jar? Or maybe this, maybe your water jar is simply putting off your relationship with Jesus. Verse 29 says this, and I'm closing. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. So this woman in this little bitty encounter with Jesus came with one intention left with another and couldn't help she couldn't help but go and spread and tell everybody who Jesus was because she had an encounter can this be the Christ she already knew it was they went out of town and were coming to him and I and I stopped right there and yet the scripture story goes on that in that story people begin to get saved and Jesus began in that area where he was just passing through lies were transformed lies were changed God I just ask you Lord that you would just begin to speak to each and every individual in this place God what is my water jar God what is the water jar that I should have let down a long time ago in my life what are the things in my life that I've been carrying that I shouldn't be anymore Lord God, I pray that you just begin to expose those things to us. That no longer are we worried about the things that happened to us, the past, unforgiveness, whatever it may be. God, I pray that you just begin to heal. Give us the ability to forgive. Give us the ability to break the addictions in our life. Give us the ability to honor um, uh, our wives and honor wives, honor your husbands, Lord. I just pray for a church after you, Jesus. Lord, we just pray for your presence. We pray for your anointing. Lord, we just pray for this church and this city. Lord, that you would just begin as a church for us to begin to lay down our water jars and begin to reach this community like this Samaritan woman. Like this woman who got excited about you. She got excited about the gospel. And here was this ass outcast woman of society. She was an individual who didn't have anything to offer. And she began to bring the town and she began to bring the people to her. And she began to bring these, things, these people and they began to have God encounters themselves. Because she began to have passion. And she began to have excitement for who you are. Lord, I just ask, as I, as I, as I was praying and thinking over this sermon, God, God, let us have this passion to reach our community. Let us have this passion to reach our, the people of Springfield, Missouri. Lord, that we can have a group of people that are so on fire for you, Lord. I pray this over each and every person in this place, that this place, this church, would be more than just a building. God, we just ask for more of you in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name.